start this morning, I want to tell you a story. We'll put a picture up on the screen. Uh, in 1930, a young man, a young Turkish man, came to this country and he brought his new wife. You see uh, them as a couple there. And uh, the joke was on the boat ride over from Turkey to uh, Ellis Island, their first son was conceived. And you see his picture in the lower right there as well. And so this young Turkish family uh, located in Florida, of all places, and started life. And uh, they were Muslim, uh, but there were no mosques in Florida at the time. And they just thought something something religious or spiritual would be good for their son. And so they had received an invitation to a summer vacation Bible school. And so they let their son go to this VBS. And at this vacation Bible school, this young boy, for the first time, heard the gospel, heard that Jesus loved him, and that he needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and he gave his life to Christ in that VBS. And then uh, in, the, in the course of his journey, he grew up, he he got more serious about his faith. He did summer missions. While he was on a summer missions trip, he met a woman, uh, an English woman, and they got married, and they had children, and they got very involved in their faith. Now, I tell you this story because it's, it's fascinating uh, because these five children uh, all had their own personal faith as well. And it's interesting how just one invitation from a vacation Bible school, one seed in the heart of a responsive individual had a generational consequence. It, it not only shaped that young boy's life, but also his marriage and his family and the raising of his children and their faith as well. That's what one seed can do in a heart that is responding. Now, let me ask you kind of a different related question. Have you ever been in church and, and maybe, uh, you know, like somebody on this side is like really dialed in. I mean, they, they're, they're like, they're, you can just tell by their face. They're in it. They're on it. They're with it, right? And then over here, maybe on the other side is somebody who is in that, we'll just uh, politely call that deep reflective mode where their eyes are closed and their head is back and they're napping. You know what I mean? In the same sermon, the same time, the same church, how is it that one person can be all dialed in and the other be far, far away. Well, this picture and these two pictures together remind me of the parable of the sower. Luke chapter 8 tells this parable of the sower. That's a farming term for somebody who plants seeds or who casts seeds on different types of soil. We're going to look at this, uh, this parable this morning because Jesus ends that parable with the phrase, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. So if you have your Bibles, and I pray you do, uh, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, if you turn there, verses 4 through 8, we're going to read this. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 8. With a, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up with it 
and choked the plants. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray and, and ask God to teach us this morning. God, thank you for your word. Help all of us here this morning and any online to be able to, to pay attention to what you want to say in and through the truth of your word. God, rivet it to our hearts. Get our minds fully engaged so that we can hear from you. God, we want to hear from you this morning. So we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you've ever studied the parables, one of the things that, uh, that you learn is that um, Jesus is trying to make a key point in the course of a parable. There's all kinds of layers of, of aspects to the story, but he's really trying to drive a main point home. That's the point of a parable. And in this context, Jesus is out, and there's a crowd that gathers around him, I mean a large crowd, and he tells this story. The disciples are there. He tells this story about a farmer who throws seed on four different types of soil, and, and the disciples are there, and they're listening, and they go, I, I don't get it. I, I'm not sure... I know what he's talking. Why are we talking about farmers? There are a couple of them are fishermen, so I'm not quite entirely sure why he's talking about farming. But in this parable is one of the very few that Jesus explains to the disciples. The disciples say, um, "Jesus, we don't know what you just said. Could could you could you help us understand?" And so then, in the remaining verses, the following verses. Jesus actually explains what he's, what he's doing. And so we have, the, we have the privilege of seeing a passage that Jesus interprets right after explaining the parable. And Jesus gives them this clear understanding. So if you're a note taker, there's really two parts to this parable. There's the seed and there's the soil. It's pretty straight up. Seed and soil. And so first of all, Jesus explains this is what the seed is. The seed is the word of God. Look at uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 11, where he interprets it. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Now we kind of, if you've read this before, you get it, you know it, but I, for them this was like, right? They didn't, they didn't know what he was saying. And when Jesus made it clear that the seed was the, the word of God spoken and explained, it's scattered about. It's kind of like the light went on. This seems obvious, obvious to us now, but I'm, if we were in that audience, I'm not sure that we would have understood it. And I, and I wonder how many of us really get what he's saying, but the seed of the parable is the Word of God spoken and explained. Now, a couple observations about the seed. First, uh, we're to be about the Word of God. Well, as God's people... We're to be about the Word of God, right? That is why uh, uh, Pastor Max started with it. It's why the worship team read from it. It's why we're to memorize it. The Word of God is to be central to us because it leads us to the, to the Son of God. I think that means that all of us need to know God's Word. The seed in the parable is not protected. It's not hidden away. It's not selectively, individually planted. The seed in the parable is scattered about. 
it is almost indiscriminately made available. And so why is this why is this relevant? The seed cannot stay in the box. Sometimes people ask me, well, what is Converge, the, the organization I work for, Converge Great Lakes, what is Converge Great Lakes all about? And I say, well, we want to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. And the best, most effective way that we believe we can do that is to, is to start new gospel-centered churches to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. But if I use this parable language, I'd say Converge Great Lakes is all about helping pastors scatter the seed. We're a word-centered movement. Your church is to be a word-grounded church. Let me say it another way. Appleton Community Church. Be a seed-spreading church, right? Now, it's not just Pastor Max's job. That's all of our job. That's not just on him. And that's not just on whoever stands here and preaches. That's every one of our jobs. We're to be a people who love the Word of God and share the Word of God with others who don't know Him. And I wonder how many of us in this room would feel confident or comfortable doing just that. If somebody came to you and said, how do I become a Christian? And why are you a Christian? And well, what is this faith thing all about? How confident are you that you could explain that to them? Romans 1.16, I love it, for I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. When I was a young Christian, one of my very first memory verses uh, by the guy who was discipling me, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is alive and active. It's like a seed looking for soil, right? Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is not like anything else. It is alive. And when it finds the right soil, pow! Life happens. So first observation about the parable is we're to be a people who share the Word of God. All of us, we own that. Second observation about the parable and about the seed is that the Word gets explained to all kinds of people. I said Earlier I said almost indiscriminately. There are four kinds of soil in the parable. Like I said, seed and soil. There's four kinds of soil. The first soil is so hard, it's so rocky, Jesus, when He's interpreting it, He says it's, it falls on hard ground and, and birds snatch it away. And when He interprets that, He says it's Satan who steals the effect of the seed. I, I don't know if this is right, but what I imagine, it's maybe the guy who comes to church, he sits in you know the back rows, and he's, scoping out the chick two rows in front of him, or he's thinking about the game afterwards and what snacks he's going to get. Does he need to stop it at the, at the grocery store on the way home? And his mind is all about all these other things. And by the time he gets in the car to drive off the lot, there's nothing. Whatever took place is all gone. It's just had no 
effect at all. That's the first soil type. It's so hard, it's so rocky, it has no effect, no consequence. The second soil type is shallow, rocky soil. These are the folks that hear the Word of God. Jesus says, with joy. So there's an initial response. But when hardship comes, they bail. There's no real faith. Listen to how he interprets this. Luke 8, verse 13. Those on the rocky ground, this is the seed, are the ones who receive the Word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. This may be the guy or the gal who's super excited, likes church, hey, it's cool, there's, I like the music, a great setting, a pastor's friendly, you know, seems to give evidence of some initial faith, but then, then pastor says something that's really irritating. Or somebody does something in the lobby after the service, or just something rubs them the wrong way and they're done. Like, that's it. They hit eject and they're gone. There's no root. It's all shallow. It's not true transforming faith. When I was a young senior pastor, I had hired a guy in the church uh, part-time to, to lead worship. He's an incredibly gifted guy. And, and he did a great job. He went off to school, uh, got his master's degree, and while he was uh, in the middle of his master's program, he was back for the summer, I said, hey, let's grab coffee and get together. And to my stunning shock, as we had lunch, he told me that he pretty much believed that God was just a figment of our imagination. He just, for whatever reason, bought the Richard Dawkins line about evolution and all this stuff, and he just completely bailed. And I fear for my friend that he was a, a shallow soil. And when he got some pressure everything wilted and died. Maybe you knew somebody like that, right? Who, at some point, they seem to give evidence of something, but they just have completely fallen away, and there's no evidence of life, spiritual faith, or anything. The third soil has thorns in it. These are people who like the Word of God, it just doesn't transform their hearts, their minds, the way they live and function. Listen to how Jesus describes this. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. This third soil type, the third response, might be the hardest to discern and understand. Because it looks like the real deal. But, as Jesus said, when life's worries, when the thought about your 401k, anybody thinking about their 401k these days? Not just the price of gas? It's like when, when the worries of riches start to crowd in, you don't have deep roots, it chokes faith. Now, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this story, but I'm, anyway. Uh, my wife and I bought an old farmhouse a number of years ago, and it had a full acre, and in the, in the front yard was an area probably about maybe a third of the size of the sanctuary, and it had been a garden at one point. 
and the previous owners, they just let everything grow up. You know, the weeds were about three feet tall or better. And in those weeds were a bunch of thistles. And the first day I bought the house, I got on my riding lawnmower and I mowed that puppy down, right? And my wife saw this and she's like, we should do a garden. And so I tilled it up. I brought in all this great soil, raised garden bed. We had mulched pathways. It was an artistic piece of beauty, okay? And, and, and then when growing season came and I planted all my seeds, what came up were thistles everywhere. And I'd pull them out and pull them out and pull them out. It, it was just the most maddening thing. I was such a novice gardener. And it's the same kind of deal here. You throw seed in an area that hasn't been really prepared and the thistles choke it out. The busyness of life. Concern for the soccer schedule or your vacation or your 401k or all these things. And it kills non-transforming faith. The fourth soil, finally, person who gets it. This is a person, uh, Jesus calls them the good soil. Their entire life is transformed. God's Word having its fullest effect on the soul. These people get changed from the inside out. Listen to Luke 8, verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the Word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. This is a person who sincerely and genuinely surrenders their entire life to Christ. They are not perfect, but they are growing. They listen and they seek to understand God's Word and His way, and it produces a fruitfulness in the whole of their life. Recently, I was at my old church, Community Church of Fond du Lac, where I was on staff for 21 years. And in the audience was a couple that I had met a number of years ago. Uh, this young couple um, got the phone call no parent ever wants to get. Police knocked on their door and said that their daughter had uh, been in a car that was going around a corner too fast. The car flipped, she got thrown out, and she was found dead in the field. This couple um, was not a part of a church, had no faith. They were completely devastated. The, the uh, uh, funeral director, a friend of mine, contacted me and said, Ken, would you please do this funeral? These guys are just white. And so that was my first introduction to this couple. Did their funeral for their daughter. And um, they started coming to church. Within about a year, uh, they gave their life to Christ. They're still brutally wounded in grief. You don't, you don't ever recover from that, right? I mean, you know somebody who's ever lost a, a son or a daughter, or a close family member or spouse. It's, it's just, re, it dents you, right? But they gave their life to Christ. They got baptized. They told their story. Um, it's just amazing to watch. They joined a small group. They became members of the church. And when I saw them recently, they were uh, in the Welcome Center, they, had, they, they were running the place that welcomes new people that came to the church. And she told me when I was talking with her, she, I, I just joined the funeral luncheon team. 
so that when people come to the church and, and there's a funeral and they, they want to linger together and have a meal, she wanted to be a part of that because she knew how meaningful that was to her. He's now in leadership at the church uh, on the, uh, the management team or the, like the deacon board. When, when you see real life transformation, it screams real life. It's not perfect, but it's amazing when you see it. True transformation. Completely spiritually clueless to several years later, walking with Christ and their lives were changed. Good soil is obvious. It screams life change and fruitfulness and transformation. Seed and soil. Four different types of soil. And the seed gets scattered amongst it all to see what God will do. The response does not determine whether we plant the seed. Right? Far from God. Hard toward God. We don't know. We will let God be the one to do with the seed what it needs to be done. Now, if I could just for a moment speak to your pastor, Pastor Max, be a seed scattering pastor. Speak it, share it, explain it, love it, obey it, counsel from it, call your people to it. Be a seed scattering pastor. Why? Because the Word of God leads people to the Son of God. Be a Word-centered church. In a very real sense, church, you're, you're the soil. Your job is to be good soil. Be a Word-loving, hungry congregation. You're the hearers. Your job is what some have called the ministry of listening. Let it mark this church. Be that kind of church. When people come and visit, man, I, I, these people are kind of weird, but they, they're always got their Bibles open. and I, I'm not sure I know what's going on here, but I like what I see. Uh, a number of years ago, I, you know, I've been a senior pastor for maybe 10 years. One of the, one of the young bucks in my church came up to me uh, before the service began, and he, and he kind of did like this. He's like, Ken, I want you to know that when you preach, like, I want you to bring it. Like, bring the whole thing. Don't hold back on us. We want the whole deal. And I got to tell you, as a young, uh, I, I, won't, I can't say young, as a middle-aged pastor, it was very encouraging to me to have somebody admonish me that way, in a good way, Right? Because, you know, pastors, we want to be liked. And we know sometimes when we're studying the Bible, we're like, oh, this is going to cut across the grain if I say all of it unvarnished, right? And so, I would encourage you to want to be well taught, right? Say to your pastor or anyone, anyone who stands up here and speaks, man, you better bring it. I don't want to waste my time here today. I, I want the whole thing. Bring the whole Word of God to us. In my church, we would say, hey, during, during the teaching time, we want you to have your Bible, we want you to have it open and on your lap. 
you know, sometimes you, you have a place you can take notes or whatever, but if you've got your phone and your Bible app, I mean, like, be attentive so that you can be well taught. You never know. You never know what one seed can do in the heart and mind and soul of a young person, of a middle-aged person, or even an elderly person. Let me go back to the picture at the beginning, the man I spoke of who came from Turkey. He had a young boy who gave his life to Christ. That man, by the way, I have that picture on my refrigerator. That man was my grandfather. And the boy who became a Christian is my father. My last name, Nabi, is Turkish. I look really Turkish, don't I? Nabi would be probably how you would say it properly. And that simple vacation Bible school invitation to follow Jesus set in motion a string of generational realities which are still spreading to this day. I'm standing before you today at some level because a vacation Bible school invitation to a young immigrant boy was given. And he responded to the Gospel. Now you see this next picture. Uh, uh, we'll go to the next picture. So here's my father over here on the left. My family, first generation. Five kids. I put, have the arrow to myself there. Number four. And I just want to point out, I'm sporting tube socks before they were super popular. You see that? And then uh, I grew up, I gave my life to Christ age 18, met my wife in college. We got married. We have four boys. That's our picture there in the middle. Four boys. My oldest son uh, is now married. So we have a girl in the family. Woohoo! Anybody have just boys, you know what that means. My, my grandfather's name was Halil Nabi. My father's name was Halil Eugene Nabi. My oldest son, who we adopted from Korea, is Josiah Halil Nabi. We jokingly say, okay, he's Korean with a Hebrew first name and a Turkish middle name. My family tree is going to be pretty odd. One seed, one seed planted, has, Jesus says, a hundredfold. It has generational consequence. All it takes is one seed to change generations when it finds good soil. Heard someone say one time, the question is not how many apples are on the tree. A better question is how many trees are in the single apple. Jesus promised that, that the Word of God planted in the human heart that responds with real transforming faith will produce a crop of a hundredfold. And right now, in our midst, there might be somebody, like you, you, need to, you need to step up in faith. You need to fully surrender and commit and do whatever it is God's prompting you to do. Maybe God wants you to start a business or become a church planter or embark on missionary service or any number of things. Maybe it's just get involved here in a way that you've been debating about. 
getting involved. That God wants to do something in the soil of your heart to help you spread the seed. You see, God promises that if we're faithful with His Word, that He will produce fruitfulness in and through our lives in those that we interact with. Is it not true, Appleton Community Church, you are here, you're planted here in this region. I drove by it this morning. All, all these uh, subdivisions and families and couples and individuals, all these people, you're a, you're a bright light here in this neighborhood, in this region. You're a beacon of hope. But we've got to spread the seed to the surrounding area. Right? That's what God is calling you to. Whatever that looks like individually, in your lives, through relationship, or corporately in your church to the community. May we be a seed-scattering, word-loving, faithful congregation. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank You that Your Word still changes the human heart. It is amazing to behold. And Father, we say with no shame that we need We need Your power manifest here in our midst. As we think about true faith, we're going to engage in communion here in a minute. It It was not a cheap provision that Jesus died that we might that we might have new life. Our sin applied to Him and His righteousness given to us that we might become whole. God, ignite this Your people, this Your church to be a beacon of light in this region. May it be a word-scattering, word-loving church. Because the Word of God leads us to the Son of God. God, do this so that you will be most honored, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.